Hello, and welcome to the NLP Highlights Podcast, where we talk about interesting recent work in natural language processing. This is Matt Gardner and Walid Ammar. We are research scientists at the Allen Institute for Artificial Intelligence. All right, so today we have as, our, as a guest on our podcast, Roy Schwartz, who is a postdoc at the University of Washington and AI2. He's working with Noah Smith and others at UW, uh, and he's on the Aristo team at AI2. And he's going to be ta- talking to us today about some work that he did with his UW collaborators called The Effect of Different Writing Tasks on Linguistic Style, a case study of the rock story closed task. So thanks for joining us today, Roy. Thank you so much. I'm uh, really excited to be here. So you, do you want to give us like an elevator pitch of this paper? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, this is the paper uh, that I did when working at UW uh, with uh, a few collaborators, Martin Sapp, Yannis uh, Costas, Lysals, Yannis Choi, and Noah Smith. And if I had to say uh, the, the one-line description of the paper is that um, the writing task that you give people uh, affects the way they write in terms of their writing style. Now we'll talk about what the, what does writing style mean, what does the writing task mean, but basically if I want to give you an example, um, consider a sentence like, uh, I don't know, John went to the movies last night. And uh, say that I've given you the sentence and I tell you ri- now write two, two uh, different follow-up sentences. One that makes sense, something like uh, it was a romantic comedy, and another which doesn't make so much sense given the prefix, something like uh, he had fish, fish and chips. And now, uh, this, these two writing uh, tasks, uh, one write something that makes sense and another which write something that doesn't make sense, uh, are supposedly, um, I mean, you would expect different content in both of them, obviously, but you wouldn't necessarily expect them to have different style. But what we found in this paper is that actually when you give people such writing tasks, uh, their the, the write sentences tend to be longer, they tend to contain more adjectives, more conjunctions, while the wrong sentences tend to uh, be shorter, to have uh, more pronouns, and to have, uh, in general, more negative language, which is, I thought it would be, it is very interesting uh, yeah, from several levels. First of all, on the cognitive level of the way, this is interesting to know uh, the type of things that affect the way people write, and I think this is a starting point to, provo- uh, to uh, run more researches uh, to answer this question in terms of how we think and how we uh, express ourselves. But also from an LP perspective, there are at least two uh, interesting uh, point to talk about. The first is uh, basically how do we design data sets and how do we make sure that the data sets we design um, do not introduce biases that uh, make our system uh, not to learn what we ex- we hope them to learn. And uh, another thing is that I think it, it could have uh, great potential for NLP applications. Uh, I mean, I think the obvious example is uh, detecting fake news. Uh, if you had a way to, to find out which statements are true or false or I don't know, true or false is kind of a fuzzy notion, but uh, you get the point uh, using a style rather than content. And there's also been a large number of work recently on people working on trying to take a given text and modify its style, and maybe normalizing it in terms of uh, gender or other types of things. I know there's uh, been work uh, by uh, Jessica Pickler and Joab Goldberg uh, recently has tried to uh, um, control for the style of sentences, and there's a few work people, few people uh, working on uh, similar tasks, so uh, I think this could have great value to these findings. Interesting. So you, you measure the effect of these uh, stylistic differences 
in the rock story close task could you tell us a little more about the this particular task yeah definitely uh the rock story uh, close task uh, it's, it was introduced last year uh, the main author is an Australian mustafa zadze from the university of rochester and she had a few uh, collaborators and uh, the ideas of this data set is that it's a common sense uh, data set uh, or event detection uh, where you, uh, the basic idea is that uh, Similar to the example that I gave, you have a, a story prefix of uh, uh, four sentences, and then you have a fifth sentence which either makes sense given the prefix or doesn't make sense. And the goal of the system is to, to tell the two apart. And uh, this task was introduced, as I said, last year. And uh, I remember uh, sitting at, the, at uh, NACL in San Diego when, uh, in, for, for the first time, I, was, I saw this, uh, this paper, and I was very impressed by really the... Um, this, it seemed to have done a very good job at constructing the data sets. They, uh, they made sure that there was a, a variety of topics in the stories and a variety of temporal relations. And they made sure that the same author wrote both endings so there won't be an, uh, an author effect. And they ran, I think, nine different baselines on the data sets and none of them uh, went beyond uh, 60%, where the baseline is uh, 50%. And it really seems like a hard task, and it, and and indeed, I mean, until very recently, one year after the data set has been released, uh, this the 58% was still a state of the art on the task. And for if you compare it to other data sets that were released at the, roughly the same time, like uh, Squad or Lombada or uh, CNN Daily Mail, the results improved quite drastically in the similar uh, amounts of time. So so this really indicated this this is a quite a hard task. Um, however, when we uh, looked in deeply into the way this data set was constructed, we noticed a few interesting uh, trends. The way the, uh, the authors built the data set was by asking uh, mechanical, mechanical Turk workers to write five sentence stories. And then uh, once they had this, which are coherent, one uh, written as one piece, and then uh, trimming the last sentence, leaving the first four, and then asking an additional worker to write two competing endings, one which makes sense and one which does, another which doesn't. And this made us think that um, kind of asking people to to do this writing task, write on the other end something that makes sense given a preface and something that doesn't make uh, sense, imposes some biases on, on people. And we expected this would have some effects on the writing of of, uh, of how this of the style that resulted in, in these two sentences. So we ran, um, we actually didn't use very sophisticated tools. We used a logistic regression classifier with uh, stylistic features, which are basically a sentence length and uh, character engrams and uh, word engrams, but we even replaced the content words with their part of speech. So basically you have sequences of uh, function words and part of speech. And we got, I think, 72% accuracy, which is about 15% better than any of the methods and the try before, and importantly, we didn't even look at the story prefix. We just took the last two sentences, compared between them without disregarding completely uh, the, the four sentences that came beforehand, and we were able to do 15% better than anybody else on this task. Um, so this is, I think this is uh, interesting, but uh, I mean, I'm not, uh, I think, um, it's important not, this is a, this is definitely an issue with this data set, but I think, I mean, it's very very easy to to come and uh, and find these problems with, with data set. I think that the author did an amazing job in trying to construct the data set, uh, but unfortunately, one small thing um, was uh, which was wasn't necessarily um, which was hard to think in advance it would have such a large impact, but it turned out to be uh, quite significant. So, what made you start looking at this data set in the first place? Were you uh, were 
did you really um, come at this and say, oh, look, I think there's some linguistic style insight that I could get from examining this data set, or were you trying to, like, improve the state of the art on this data set first and then arrived at these stylistic um, concerns? How, how, what was your yeah, process? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'm, I've worked in a group with, in UW with uh, several students, and they've been working on these data sets ever since it was released. Um, I joined relatively late. Uh, I mean, they, they made some progress. I mean, they had uh, one of the, the other methods I will talk about later. We had a nice uh, language model approach that uh, does better than the 60% by using some nice trick with the language model. But they did. They weren't able to push it much further. And when I joined, I kind of, I, I, uh, I, I worked a bit. I mean, I, I found this dataset to be very cool because it really felt like a hard dataset. It didn't feel like one of these datasets where you can just do um, a sequence to sequence model with a few hacks and get um, to basically solve the problem like other datasets that are around uh, recently. And so it felt like a more interesting and more challenging task. But when I looked at the uh, instructions, I, I, it, something felt weird. And I, and I said, I mean, there's got to be some bias uh, that is incurred by, um, by asking the authors to do such different tasks. And especially, I mean, I, I'm not sure that, uh, I mean, I actually tried it on a few other data sets, and the, the fact wasn't that strong. I'll talk about it later. But when you, especially when you give it to mechanical Turk workers that have uh, basic are paid to to do one sentence in maybe ten, uh, ten seconds or so, it's obvious that some biases will come up. And uh, I mean, they have very little time. They go to some heuristics, and uh, they turn out to write. Uh, and maybe I mean the 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 negative the negative language used by the in, in the. Uh, negative sentences. I mean, the word hate turned out to be a very strong feature. I mean, uh, that, that is when you say, when you tell the, the um, worker to write a negative sentence, you would just say, John hates apples or whatever. I mean, kind of go to these heuristic where it's easy for them to generate negative sentence easily. So, but, but I think, I mean, it's, it's in this sense, it's kind of a, a more realistic case where you have, I mean, people don't usually spend uh, hours thinking of every sentence they say. They just, I mean, in uh, everyday conversation, you just uh, speed up text or or, or words, and um, so so I think this is a, an interesting observation. Yeah, I guess it it seems like with more people from the deep learning and machine learning crowds coming to look at NLP problems, there's a lot of talk about how people just have hammers and bang on data with them, uh, and I guess this result um, shows how important it is to really think about the data that you're working with. Um, someone with an ML hammer would not have come to these conclusions, right? No. And it, it's only because you thought about this from like a psycholinguistic style kind of perspective that you came up with this particular model that turned out to work really well. Yeah. Are there uh, like interpretable differences that you can tell us, like conclusions about the stylistic differences? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, when we uh, looked at we started the, this paper by doing a kind of a surface analysis when we just uh, counted the number of um, frequent part of speech tags and frequent words uh, in, in both cases, in the uh, positive versus negative cases. And we found, uh, first of all, that the, the positive sentence tends to be just simply longer, I mean, by maybe a half a word or so, but they're consistently um, longer than the negative ones. We found that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if positive and negative is the right term, I think we used the uh, uh, coherent or incoherent, uh, or right or wrong. I mean, it's it's a bit confusing uh, even for me. What's the right term to use? Well, I'm um, also surprised that you said um, that negative ones. Um, the Turkers used to uh, use the word hate a lot, 
so if, if, they're, if they're asked to write an incoherent completion, doesn't seem like hits is a very obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, just, I mean, you can look at the first example. I think we have hate here. Uh, no, it's not here. Um, I mean, basically, when the it's hard to do this task, and it's um, definitely hard to do to to control for the task that would come out eventually. But think of kind of the story that goes on: someone does something, then another person does another thing, and you want to do something that doesn't make sense at all. Suddenly, you throw yeah, John hates apples. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, where did this come from? So I think this is uh, this is one of the heuristics that the Turkers used. It was very it, it was if you look at the table here, I think it it was used exclusively by uh, then exclusively in the negative examples, uh, it wasn't um, a very popular feature, but it was a very strong one. Once you saw the word hate, it was pretty the classifier had a very easy decision. Um, other types of features, I mean, coordinations was used, or coordination or adjectives uh, was used more in the positive cases. It's kind of indicated when you want to write more, when you want to write something positive, you write, uh, you describe it more, you, you add more details, uh, while you kind of tend to be uh, more concise when you're generating the negative text. Um, another example was uh, writing with uh, exclamation mark, kind of enthusiastic, which was more uh, discriminant, uh, more um, in the coherent, frequent in the coherent version. Yeah. And you also uh, mentioned or cited some work in the paper about uh, how your findings Correlate at least a little bit with uh, deceptive, correct? Like things that things that people have found when studying deceptive text and deceptive speech. Yeah, uh, this is. Um, I mean, this is this, this is not the first work to measure style differences. Obviously, I mean the features uh, features we used in the, um, the our findings uh, correlate with uh, features from previous works. Um, and specifically, I think the, the most uh, relevant task is the task of uh, deception detection. I mean, given the text, whether it was whether it is true or false, and indeed many of the findings that we found, uh, especially with uh, the part of speech distribution, using more pronouns in uh, uh, coherent text uh, and also in uh, right text in, in the deceptive case versus using more proper nouns uh, in the incoherent or uh, wrong or deceptive text. I, I'm hoping it's making sense. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Um, you mentioned earlier a language model. Uh, yeah. Can you talk uh, about this? Yeah. So uh, I mean, our first and um, I think most interesting finding was that really using just style features while ignoring completely the um, the story prefix and got us 72%. Uh, while we were working on it, there was a shared task that we submitted to in February to the LSD SEM shared task in um, it was an EACL in Valencia. And we uh, so we thought about submitting in the, the, the um, our system, and then we started. Some people got even high results in the same, roughly the same time. So we uh, wanted to combine the approaches, uh, this approach with the other approaches that uh, I, I talked about earlier that people in UW have been working on uh, before I came. And there, the idea is, the, is is very different, but I think it's also interesting um, on its own. Um, the, the the system for uh, solving this task was based on a language model. Which was trained on. Uh, I forgot to mention it. In the the, the rock story corpus also had an additional corpus, which was much larger, of about uh, 50,000 or later. To, it was extended 100,000, uh, just positive uh, examples, just a five-sentence story written by the same author, and uh, without um, without completing endings. So most systems use this as a training set and then try to uh, to build it, uh, to solve the test sets and. Uh, 
our language model also, we trained it on that corpus uh, and we tested it by uh, running it over our each of the positive or negative examples and, and seeing um, which one has a lower perplexity or a lower uh, non-perplexity, we use the condition probability. Condition probability given the story prefix. And when we did that, we got um, relatively low results, maybe 54, uh, uh, exclusive without our uh, uh, style features. We got maybe 54% or so, if I'm not mistaken. But then when we uh, we looked more deep, deeply into it and we saw uh, and we noticed that uh, the re some of the reasons that uh, some of the pr um, the sentences the the endings tended to be to have higher probability on their own uh, disregarding the prefix so we normalized our uh, condition probability with the probability of the ending itself which basically resulted in the uh, pointwise mutual information between the context and the ending. And when we took this measure, uh, you can see it's in uh, page, uh, in the equation one in the paper, where we simply normalize uh, the probability of uh, ending given story with the probability of ending, this jumped from about 54 to 67%. This had a really significant uh, effect on our results. And when we combine this as a feature in our uh, uh, log logistic regression, we, jumped, we got three more percent improvement, which uh, got us to state of the art and to first place in the shared task. So these, these are the current best results for this uh, shared task, for this uh, um, task? I think in, in parallel to our uh, work, there have been a few groups that came to a similar conclusion. Uh, one, um, the gr in group in um, TTI, yeah. Uh, yeah um, Kai and yeah, two Kai, people. Yeah, Chen Kai was the first author. And uh, they reached r roughly the same results, and they had a short paper at ACL. I think our, our numbers are, are virtually the same, up to uh, half a point or less. And I think recently, uh, a group in um, Dan Roth's group, uh, formerly at the um, University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and now in uh, Penn, uh, I think at EMNLP they published uh, results a bit better, maybe 77%, maybe 2% better. But they, they also, both works, uh, kind of relied on the same findings that we did. Interesting. Um, so if you were to fix this data set or if you were to design a new data set to, uh, and you want to control for this stylistic difference, how would you do it? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I think um, this always is a problem. I mean, once you try want to solve one problem, you're probably uh, risking introducing new problems. But um, we did find one example that uh, was interesting. Uh, we ran our our system on two other data sets. One, we re only report one in the paper. Uh, the, the first one uh, was the COPA data set. This was a data set by uh, Rumel et al. from 2011. Uh, it was, um, I think the data set came way before its time because it was uh, back in the days at 2011. Nobody would think about uh, tackling such tasks because how would you tackle it? Um, so th they had a similar idea where you have, uh, I think, one sentence prefix and then two competing endings, and uh, again the same the, the same task of uh, telling we, the, the two apart. Uh, but there, they, they specifically had uh, annotation instructions that uh, forced the text to be more um, um, consistent or more um, norm uh, controlled for. Uh, specifically, they uh, think they told the author uh, to be write as briefly as possible and to avoid proper names, to avoid slang, and to avoid uh, any kind of to use a, a very simple language. 
And this resulted in uh, our classifier doing only 53% on these data sets compared to 72%. Now, this data set is, is uh, quite smaller and just to one, uh, about to one quarter of the size of our data set, so there are other uh, confounding factors. But basically, I think this gives an intuition that um, using simple instructions to the authors kind of to limit their style variability can, in many ways, uh, alleviate many of the things that we've seen here. Another uh, data set that I experimented with just uh, is the, um, I'm working here at AI2 on the, in the Aristo uh, team where we try to solve uh, science questions. And one of our main data sets is a multi-choice uh, science data set where you have a question and four different answers. And I was wondering whether you'd find different styles between the different answers. And there, uh, maybe not surprisingly, I found that I didn't get any, anything even remotely above a random baseline. And I think it doesn't, it's, it wasn't that surprising because if you compare kind of the two extremes of giving it to a Turker that has 10 seconds to write and just scribble something compared to uh, the data sets that we use here that are uh, written by professionals who spend hours debating on each question and kind of uh, spending a substantial amount of time to make sure that these, data, data, these questions cannot be hacked by, simply, by simple rules, it doesn't, it's not surprising that you don't see these effects. So, I mean, there are ways to overcome this, but obviously um, it's not trivial. Um, and I mean, every data set comes with its own problem. Yeah, the reason that I like this paper a lot uh, is it fits into a line of work um, around really analyzing data sets and, and figuring out what it is that data sets test and uh, what they're good for. So Dan Chi Chen uh, and folks at Stanford had a paper, uh, I guess, a year ago on analyzing a, a popular reading comprehension data set at the time, the CNN Daily Mail data set that was released by Google, um, and showing issues with this data set. Not that the data set was bad, just that uh, when you want to evaluate on this, when you want to evaluate on this, there are, there are issues, uh, and you need to be aware of them. Similarly, uh, Robin Jia had a paper at EMNLP uh, on adversarial examples for squad another popular or currently popular uh, reading comprehension data set showing that really simple tweaks can make almost any model, basically any model that was trained on squad fail pretty easily. Uh, and the, this work also just shows um, the, the issues that can arise if when we, when we try to overclaim what data sets do. Not that the rock stories corpus is bad, like I guess it highlights that the building data sets is hard, Definitely. right? Yeah. And, and we need to think carefully about what exactly the data set is testing, and um, these kinds of works are really useful. I guess I like to bash, or I have bashed on the, the baby data set. It is useful for some things, right? It's just not doing um, everything that it claims to, right? And, and we need to be careful about what exactly the data sets that we're using are testing. Exactly. I mean, you want to make sure that your your model uh, is doing some sort of. I mean, you want to you want to uh, kind of understand what your model is doing and not think that it's doing one thing when it's actually counting uh, character engrams. And this is not something that uh, this is not why we're working here. Yeah. And another example that I think is very relevant is the a few analysis papers on the Visual QA dataset, which shows that basically in order to solve the where you have the an image and a question and and, you show, and they showed it in order to solve it, you basically can only look at the text and ignore the image and get roughly the same results. But I mean, yeah, the, the same line of papers, it's hard to build data sets. I think, I mean, personally, I did this work and I, I think it's important to 
to first of all know the limitations of these works. I mean, I think I, I I'm still planning at some point to continue working on this rock story corpus. I think it's a great data set. It's just the baseline is about roughly 72 or 75, not 50 percent. I mean, this is what you would do without with, with just with these style features. And there's a lot of way, and there's a very long way to get to 100 from here. So there's still um, so it's important to notice these things. It's important to notice them when you're designing your next data sets, to know to notice things to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, these data sets are obviously improved uh, the state of our technologies quite quite a bit in the last few years. Great. Thanks for coming to talk to us, Roy. Yeah, thank you. Okay.